As you find your seat, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to John 3.16. If you don't have a Bible, there's a uh, passage listed for you in the bulletin on one of the covers there. It's the passage that Zach quoted this morning. Also, you'll see in there John 3.16. Also, let me get, call your attention. There's an insert with the outline. So if you would like to follow along, and uh, we made it so that uh, you could put that in your Bible or take that with you. And if you want to go back and make reference to some of the scripture that I'll be talking about today, because today we're focusing on the most famous verse in all scripture. The verse that nearly everybody has at least heard of. And so today uh, you'll see an outline. It'll give you other verses that support this incredible picture of God's Word. This snapshot into Scripture. 316, March 16th. John 316. Today we are going to uh, look at this verse, unpack it, see what God really has to say for us. This famous verse. John 316 has been called this. A Bible in a nutshell. I mean, 66 books, an incredible book from Genesis to Revelation, saying that basically it is the entire Scripture in a nutshell. Or some might say this way, it's a snapshot of Christianity. If you want to know uh, quickly, profoundly, what Christianity is all about, look at John 3.16. And be amazed. It's an incredible passage that will tell us about a Father who has lavished love upon us. That has changed us from the inside out. If you know nothing about the Bible, maybe uh, you're here for the first time, you've really never picked up God's Word. Uh, Maybe you didn't grow up hearing about Christianity. Maybe this wasn't a part of your upbringing and you really don't know a lot about the Bible and the different books and where to find things. Really, if you know nothing, where you want to start is John 3.16. So again, if you don't know anything, this is the entry point. But if you know everything about the Bible, maybe if you've read it from cover to cover, maybe even if you've studied it in Hebrew and, and Greek, Maybe if it's something that you really feel you have a handle on. John 3.16, return to it often. It's a place you continually should go back to and be reminded what God has done for us. Really, it's John 3.16. It's a verse where time and eternity meet. This this last summer, uh, Katie and I had the privilege of taking our kids out west for the very first time, saw the Grand Canyon. How many people have ever seen the Grand Canyon? An amazing, an amazing place. You go there and you say, it's going to be a big hole in the earth. How exciting can it be? But I tell you, it is amazing. And I spent an entire day and a half looking for the absolute perfect spot to see the canyon. Come on, kids, I think it's over here. I think it's over here. Let's go. Let's get in the car. Let's try this trail. Let's go around this corner. I hear at this time of day, this is the best place to be. And we spent our day chasing dad as dad tried to find that perfect vantage point where you could see an incredible beauty of God's creation. When, when everything was right, when time was right, when the conditions were right, and there you were and you wanted to say to everybody, here it is. Gather around. 
look. Because from here, you can see more of its beauty than anywhere else. It's kind of like John 3.16. Let me encourage you to say, gather around. Come, look. Look, maybe for the first time. Maybe just with new eyes. Look into uh, this incredible passage and see the beauty of God of John 3.16. We had one family member. He, uh, he or she's going to go nameless. That didn't want to get too close to the edge. Didn't care if uh, you found the best spot. They're going to be just fine sitting back and looking at it from where he or she was. Some of you may be a little bit afraid, but let me encourage you. You're safe. You're among friends. Step toward the edge. Your heart may be racing, but this is incredible. You don't want to miss the view that God has for us. If you're over 40 like me, you will probably know the Rainbow Man, Roland Stewart. Remember the Rainbow Man? I mean, this guy appeared on the sports scene in the late 70s, early 80s, and I don't know how he did it, but this man was everywhere, was he not? I mean, if there was an incredible sporting event, two things were true. I was watching it, and he was there. And as Roland was there, he had that sign. Anybody know what that sign said? John 3, 16. Made that verse famous. As a matter of fact, you can go to a, a, a fast food restaurant called the In-N-Out Restaurant and find on their cups John 3.16. John 3.16 seems to be everywhere. Everybody knows about this verse. You can go to the Millennium Mall. Don't recommend it today. Sunday. Go to a store called Forever 21. Forever 21. Um, mostly looks like it's got girl stuff in there. When I looked in there, didn't buy anything. You'll be glad to know. But on their bag, really, there's nothing in the store that communicates anything necessarily Christian. I mean, it's a nice store. Seems to be pretty good prices. But on the bag, John 3, 16. Uh, wanting to communicate something that they believe. You could go to your favorite Christian bookstore, uh, get coffee mugs, get hats, get whatever you want. Here you go, Gary. That would look good on you. Wear that when you see your clients. (laughs) What is this amazing verse? What is this one verse? Well, let's look at God's Word together. Let's be mindful that we're reading just one verse to begin with, but it's still God's Word. It's without error. It'll never lead us astray. Praise the Lord. This is what this incredible verse says. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let us pray. Father, we again want to say thank You. Thank You for loving us, for lavishing a love upon us that would send us a Son. Now, Father, because You love us, we ask that You would send Your Spirit to come and to teach us. To Speak through a broken sinner. 
who desperately needs to be reminded of these words. Father, I don't have any words, any wisdom, any knowledge that's worth anything that these people need to hear. But you have it all. So would you be pleased to speak through your servant, your son, a sinner that Jesus has rescued. Spirit of the living God, would you open up our ears to hear from Jesus? To hear from the Father the incredible love that He has for us. We need to know this love. We need to experience this love. So would you illumine our minds so that we can see the truth of what your love means to us as seen in the face of your Son? Would you please bring us understanding up there in our minds? But God, also would you work powerfully in our hearts? Because many of us have cold and callous hearts or unbelieving hearts or maybe just hearts that have been so bruised by life it's just hard to hear about someone's love because those who were supposed to love us hurt us and wounded us deeply but you can do that you can heal that broken heart so that even that heart can receive the love it needs father If it's only about our ears, our minds, and our hearts, it's got to be about our hands and our feet. we got to walk out of here changed because of your love. So would you empower us? Would you empower us with this love, this world-changing, heart-changing love, so that we can go out there and proclaim with our lives that you're good and that you're loving and that we're yours. Whatever is said that's my opinion or wrong, what may it quickly be forgotten, and fall away, whatever is true and contains the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to make us more like Jesus? And it's in his powerful name we pray. Amen. There's so many things we can say about John 3.16, but really we're going to focus on four amazing aspects or amazing things in this verse. We're going to begin with this, an amazing love. An amazing love. And then we're going to look at an amazing gift. The most amazing gift. And then I trust we'll be startled and want to sing Hosanna about the amazing grace that is in this this verse. And lastly, an amazing result. An amazing result from you and me. The great news about this verse, it's not something we hear and say, okay, that's interesting. But really, it's something for us to take home that should change our lives from the inside out. Let's begin with this amazing love. In Greek, when the writer is inspired by the Holy Spirit, is writing this, using all of his own personality and his own gifts and abilities as writing, he typically is going to start with what's most important. Uh, sentence structure is very, very difficult. That's why I probably say, people say, well, it's Greek to me. For one who has studied Greek, let me tell you, it's Greek to me oftentimes. And you have to look and kind of hunt and peck to see how a sentence structure is made. This one's pretty easy. But it's amazing what it starts with. You know what, what word it starts with? So. So. You know, you know, as a grandparent or as a parent or an aunt and uncle, and you want to communicate love for a child, and you want to start off by saying, I love you so much. And this is an incredible way that this passage starts is so God has loved the world. It's amazing love. The first thing we're going to see is this in 1 John 4.10. 
It's an initiating love. It's, it's God who loves us. 1 John 4.10 says this, This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. And listen to this, very interesting. And sent His Son to tell us that He loved us. But He sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The first thing we see about God's love is this. It's an initiating love. He is the one who initiates this relationship. He is the one. He wants to make it very, very clear. I love you first. Before you were even able to love me, before you knew me, before you wanted anything to do with me, this is love. I'm initiating with you. Listen, let's start off with some really, really, really good news. We have a God who loves, and we have a God who initiates that love. Not one who's sitting on his hands waiting for you to respond, but a God who is going to initiate the relationship, initiate the response. But it says something very interesting. He says because he loves, and he's going to show this love, that he's going to send his only son to be a sacrifice for our sins. What is that all about? I mean, can he just send his son on an errand to tell us he loves us? That maybe a guy named Jesus could show up uh, in Galilee and say, I got some really, really good news. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Maybe make business cards or something like that. But what he does is this. He sends him to tell us that he loves us by dying for us. By being a sacrifice for our sins. Well, here's, here's, here's the point of his love. Here's the point of this verse. It's amazing. This initiating love. You see, God is holy. And that means God's without sin. And God is so pure and he is so holy without sin and so righteous and good that he, he can't have a relationship with sinners without doing a terrible injustice to his holiness. He'd have to change who he is to love us. And so there's this problem that you and I have, well, really, ever since man rebelled against God, all of us have had the sin problem that has separated us from a holy God. But God, who initiates love, is saying this, listen, I'm going to send my son, and he's going to take care of the problem. He's going to take care of the barrier. He's going to take care of all that, that chasm, that eternal chasm between a holy God and sinners like you and me. Jesus is going to bridge it. He's going to say, I'm going to bridge it by being a sacrifice. I'm going to be a bridge it by being the one who's going to die in your place. It's an amazing, initiating love. Katie and I like to uh, kind of argue about who was the first to be smitten with who. You can imagine. That's that's funny stuff right there. That's about the best I got right now, all right? I mean, everybody knows she's a superstar, and you know me. I thought you guys would see that very clearly. But I did tell her I loved her on the first date. <laughs> Don't look at her, look at me. <laughs> did. We've been become friends. I, let me ask you, you gals, um, what do you think of a guy who tells you he loves you on the first date? Psycho, desperate. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Uh, we have a kind of different uh, rendition of how those words actually came out. But I wanted to initiate and say, you know what? I see you as somebody that's got everything I could ever want or dream of in a wife. And I really love who you are. She says, I just came out and said, I love you. 
it worked. <laughs> Dads, how would you feel about a guy who takes your daughter out and the first thing he says is, I love you? Boy, come back here. We got some talking to do. You got some explaining to do. I mean, that's a little bit of a too much of an initiating love, if you know what I mean. But incredibly, God, the Father who's holy and without sin, is going to initiate an amazing love with us. He's going to say, this is love. Not, not, not that you love me, but that I loved you. And I loved you so much that I removed anything, any barrier that will separate us. That's sin. So we see that it's initiating love. And then we see that it's an undeserving love. Romans 5, 8 says this, that God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, listen, God demonstrates love in action, his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died. It's an undeserving love. We want to jump up and say, hallelujah. It's not a love that says from God, clean yourself up, get your act together, change your ways, and then maybe I'll like you, and maybe I'll love you in time. It says, no, this, I'm going to give you an undeserving love. That while you were sinners, and and Scripture is very clear on who we are apart from Christ. Now, it's not a term we like to throw out with one another, sinner. But again, let's look at God's eyes. Let's look through God's eyes. One who's holy and without sin, who says that each one of us, all of us, have fallen short of perfection. Have you made perfection? I mean, have you loved God like he says, the number one command with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul, all the time? I'm all for one. Haven't hit it yet. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? I mean, really care about their name, their reputation, uh, their life as much as you do your own? I'm all for two. I was born this way, so were you. I was born with a nature of for sin. We are sinners because we're born broken. Scripture says that. And a matter of fact, it says something that's not really comfortable to hear. It says. By nature, we're children of wrath. But really what this means is this, is that God would be justified to be really ticked at us. And by nature, just because we rebel from Him, by nature we shouldn't be loved. We should be disciplined. We should be rebuked. We should be given wrath. But God's greater than that. He leads with love and mercy. He's such a great God. And he's going to say, I'm going to demonstrate love for sinners. That while they're still sinners, before they're cleaned up, I'll clean them up. Uh, Before they turn to me, I'll turn them to me, God says. Before any of that happens, God has an undeserving love for sinners like us that he's going to demonstrate it before we can demonstrate anything back. Praise the Lord. Man, how incredible is that? Not only that, it's a lavishing love. 1 John 3, 1 says this, Behold, a man of the love that the Father has lavished on us, He's lavished the love upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Now remember, I just said, Scripture tells us by nature we are children of wrath. But now He's going to say there's a love that's been lavished upon us, an incredible initiating love from the Father, an incredible undeserving love from the Father, an incredible lavishing love upon the Father, that we should be called the children of God. And I tell you, if the verse ended there, we would have every reason to stand up and say, praise the Lord! I mean, by nature, I didn't get it, I don't deserve it, 
But because of a gift He's going to give to us through Jesus, He's going to lavish a love upon us. I mean, pour it out. What's a lavish love look like? This is not a little bit of love. And again, if the verse stopped at, we should be called that, man, rejoice. But it says more than that. It says, listen, in Christ, in that, in that, children, in that is who we are. You know, God doesn't just forgive us. He's not just lukewarm about us. For his children, he is ridiculously happy with us. And he loves us. And we are his. And he's lavished this love upon us that we who were once separated from him gives us everything we need. Listen, listen to what he gives to us. Not only love from God, he gives us identity. Identity that we long for. Who are you? I am God's child. I, I have identity with the creator of the universe. I have security in his love. He's not going to change his mind about me. This love that he's lavished upon his children truly does give us identity. It gives us worth. It gives us meaning. All the things that we long for because we were created in his image. An amazing love for God. So love the world. Then we see an amazing gift. That he gave his one and only son. He cared enough to send the very best. Who has the jingle when you care enough to send the very best? Who's that? Let me give you a suggestion. Maybe you want to go out and it's a big anniversary. Maybe it's a silver anniversary. Maybe a golden anniversary. Something you really want to communicate. Buy a Hallmark card. You know, go get it. And uh, give it to her. Uh, give it to your wife, uh, your husband. Um, say, honey, because I care about the very best, flip over the card. It's a hallmark. I care about the very best. Uh, let me give you a little bit of advice. Don't try that. It won't work. They're wrong. It's not the very best. It's a nice card. You want to have something shiny in there, gentlemen. <laughs> something that communicates a little bit more than, you know, you stopped at Winn-Dixie and you got a card on the way home. You done that? Been there? Uh, public sells flowers. It's a great place nowadays. But God knows how to send the very best. You see, he sends a unique gift. 1 John 4.9 says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we, that we can know and love him. He sent his one and only son into the world that we may live, live through him. It's a unique gift. God would love us enough that he would send us his one and only unique gift. I don't know about you, but when you get that one gift that you know that you're going to show up with and no one else has, that's just so special. This is what God has done. He's lavished a love upon us and He's given us a gift that's one and only. How important is it to the Father? How, how much love does the Father have for the Son? One of my favorite Scripture passages, this is, by the way, the second point in here. It's a beloved gift. One of my favorite verses is, is of Jesus' baptism. 
It's found in the Gospels, and we're going to look at Matthew 3. Matthew 3.17, it's an incredible picture of a triune God, of a Father, Son, and Spirit. But what I love about it is that the God the Father can no longer be silent when He sees His Son. That the silence from heaven is going to end. And you're going to hear a voice booming from heaven, from the Father. And you know what He's going to say, and I guarantee with a puffed out chest saying, There is my beloved Son. In whom I am well pleased. There he is. And he couldn't contain himself anymore. He had to declare to the world, that's my boy. Have you ever been there? Parents, have you ever seen your son or daughter do something or just be who they are? And you just want to cry out, it's my boy. It's my girl. Caleb pitched a, a game last Tuesday. And it was, a, it was a good game against a very good team. And Man, I tell you what, he was, he was awesome. He was awesome. Lights out. And there I was as a coach sitting on the bucket, and everything he did well, I want to look around and say, mm-hmm. <laughs> you see that name on the back of his shirt? Boys, Jake's. Tell you, at the end of the game, he walked off the field, and I, and I, and I had to hug him. I mean, I had to hug him and say, man, you, you just, you just, man, lights out. But you know what? Even when my kids fail, they're the hero of my hearts. They go home in my minivan, and they're loved like no other child. They're my beloved children that I would gladly give anything I have for. This is the Father's unique incredible love for us, that he couldn't contain himself anymore. He said, that's my boy. There he is, the righteous one, the holy one, the lamb of God, the word made flesh. There he is. He is beloved. And I'm going to give him to you. Talk about an incredible gift. Then we see this ultimate gift. And there's a typo in here, by the way. I got in your, in your insert Romans 8.22. It might confuse you. It's actually Romans 8.32. But 8.32 says this, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? You see, the Father gave us the ultimate gift. It says this, basically, He who did not spare His Son, He gave us the ultimate. He gave us the most beloved. He gave us His very own unique Son. He has nothing else behind His back. He didn't send something else. He says, I'm going to send the very, very, very best. And if we have the Son, no matter what is happening in your life right now, no matter what pain and circumstances you're going through, God is not holding back any blessings from you. Because once you have the Son, you have His greatest gift. Will He not freely give us all things? Stories told of a young boy who was asked to help his sister with a blood disorder. The sister needed a blood transfusion, and his blood was the best match. And the doctor came to the boy and said, would you please share your blood with your sister? And through moments of reflection and a bit of trembling, he said he would. He goes to the procedure, and he gets on the table, and and they put the needles in him to start with moving his blood so he could have that blood recycled and put into his sister. And a few minutes pass, and they notice that he's trembling quivering. 
They say to the boy, are you okay? He says, when will I die? Thinking that he was giving his very life for his sister, he couldn't give more. He gave himself. Listen, God cannot give more. He gave of himself. He gave of his son. And his son did give of his blood. And it did lead to death on a cross. The ultimate gift is the gift of God given to us. This amazing love of the Son. Then we see this amazing grace that whoever serves Him will have everlasting life. No, 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 it doesn't say that. That whoever deserves Him will have everlasting life. No, no, it doesn't say that either. That whoever is worthy of Him will have everlasting No, no, it doesn't say that either. Whoever is pure will have... No, 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 it doesn't say that ever. It says whoever, this amazing grace, listen to this, whoever believes in Him. I got a letter from the government. Um, it's okay, I'm not going to prison or anything, thank the Lord. Um, I got a letter from the government. Uh, apparently it was a response to my tax return. Um, I always find those difficult to read. I'm a little nervous, okay, what do they want? Um, and it told me that, like you, uh, if you have uh, filed a tax return, and uh, if you're breathing, I hope you are, um, it says that I'm getting some money back from the government. Something about boosting the economy. You know what the letter said? I had to do nothing. I could do that. I had to do nothing. I mean, listen, I didn't have to fill out a form. I don't have to go stand in line. I don't have to say the Pledge of Allegiance. I don't have to name 10 presidents. I just get a check, and so do you. Free. Free money. Free money. Now, now I know some of you guys sitting right down. No, it's not actually free, Jeff. You're paying taxes for that. And I really cost us here. Don't brush my bubble, all right? I'm thinking it's free money. I'm going with it. And by the way, free money is tithe money as well. All right, don't forget it. So we know you're getting it. I think there might be a verse that 20% is due. I'm not sure. Hey, free grace, free grace, free grace, amazing grace. Saving grace. Saving grace. Listen to what Ephesians 2.8 says. For it is by grace, unmerited favor, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by works so that no man can boast. It's free. It's free. This gift is free. It's only by God's grace that through faith we receive this incredible grace. And it is saving grace. It changes us. It's total grace. I mean, it's God's grace from start to finish. Look at Philippians 1.29. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer from Him. This Father that will love you so much that He would send His Son, this Father loves you so much, you His children, He's even going to give us the gift of faith. From start to finish, this is total grace. Totally the work of God. Jesus got, just got done doing one of his miracles. I mean, it's an incredible miracle is what he could do with a, a few pieces of bread and some fish. And he just fed 5,000. 
And they just saw this, and many saw it as a, as a religious sideshow, but they realized that their bellies were full, and they saw a man take a few fish and a few loaves of bread and feed 5,000 and have baskets left over. And they started going to him and saying, now, will you do us a favor? Will you tell us what work we have to do to be saved? John 6 Will you tell us what work, tell, tell us what commandments we got to follow because we want to make sure we get those. And tell us how much we got to give because we want to make sure we give enough. And tell us what we got to do. Tell us what we have to do to be fed. Because listen, the people who just ate, 5,000 people who just ate a free lunch, don't believe in a free lunch. Tell us what we got to do. Can't be a free lunch. John 6 29, Jesus answered, The work of God is this. To believe in the one he has sent. To believe in the one he has sent. Talk about amazing grace. The incredible work of the Spirit. And lastly, amazing result. God so loved the world that he would send his one and only Son that whoever shall believe, listen, shall not perish, but have eternal life. The result is both incredibly positive on the negative and positive side. On the negative side, you won't perish. Death is done away with. Now, listen, everyone since the first man has physically died. God told us we would because of the result of sin. Death and taxes. We've already talked about taxes. Now here we go with death. But what God's word says is this, is spiritually there'll be no death. And and there'll be no separation. The ultimate death is separation from God. God says, you will not have this. I'm going to give you life eternally through this gift. You're not going to perish. You're not going to be banned. I mean, when your heart stops beating, it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. You'll be with me. You'll have life. The amazing result is life. 1 John 5, 12 very simply says this. He or she or boy or girl who has the Son, who has Jesus, by faith in their heart, they have life. Life. Zoe. Life. The way God intended it to be. But those who don't have the Son don't have life. You see, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You can't get home apart from me. Those who have the Son have life. What kind of life? They have a new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, anyone who's in Christ Jesus, anyone who's given their life to Jesus, they're a new creation, a new creature. The old is gone, the new has come. What in the world does that mean? It means this, that in Christ Jesus, an incredible change takes place in our lives. We who by nature are children of wrath, who have a nature of being sinners, and that's all we can do, God changes us from the inside out, gives us a new nature. We are born again, born not by water, but by spirit, born in God's family. We're new. Listen, God sees us with a whole new identity, a whole new identity. You're my family. I've lavished that love upon you with a whole new ability to love and to please God and to have faith in Him. It's a whole new life that He gives to us. But it's eternal life. John 17, 3 says this. Now this is eternal life, that, you, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now here's a very important thing. Eternal life doesn't start 
when your heart stops beating. Eternal life starts when you give your life to Jesus. Because right then that transformation takes place and you and I can be new creatures in Christ. And right then we can be filled with the love and the joy and the knowledge of Jesus. And we can have our sins washed. And we can be robed in His righteousness and set free by the blood of the Lamb. And we truly are His. And we have eternal life just by knowing Him. This is eternal life. I have it, do you? It's not just the quality of life. It's the quantity of life. It's abundant life. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. What does that mean? It means that sin removed, truly loved, truly able to live, new creatures in Christ. It doesn't mean abundant life. We have such a Western mindset of abundant life. I'm going to get a new car, a bigger house, more prestige. Look at Jesus' life. The abundant life is this, knowing that you're loved by the Father, knowing that Jesus has shed His blood to wash away your sins, knowing that His righteousness robes you and me, knowing that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, knowing that He'll never change His mind about us, knowing that not one day will go by where we won't be in His presence and someday we'll see Him face to face, knowing that He'll give us nothing that we can't handle. That is the abundant life in Christ Jesus. Do you know it? Amazing joy for all who believe. I have been set free. In closing, there's a story of a a father who had one son, and he loved collecting art, and he trained his boy to have an eye to to perceive, uh, to look at, and to know what priceless works of art were. They would go and they would buy through different auctions incredible pieces of art. God had blessed them. He was a Wealthy man. War came to the continent. The boy, the only boy, was sent to war. And he came back, sadly, uh, not alive, but as a casualty of war. Shortly after getting notified about his death, a knock came on his door. And one of the soldiers that he was platooned with, a man that he had saved, a fairly decent artist, had painted a painting of his son. It meant so much to him that he cleared room in the most prominent place in his house for the sun to be hung on the wall for all to be admired, for all to admire his treasure. At his death, there was a big auction. There wasn't a family to pass on these treasures. And the auctioneer says, we're going to start with this painting of the sun. And the crowd murmured, said, what in the world? We want to get to the works of art. Some, some kid with maybe the gifts of a Middle schooler painted that. Does anybody want to bid on the sun? There was one servant there, the servant of the family that reached in his pocket and he saw what he had. He says, I got ten bucks. I'll give ten bucks for the painting of the sun. Anybody? Fifteen, twenty. Gavel goes down. It sells at ten. The auctioneer says, okay, folks, the auction's over. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean? We got these priceless works of art. What happened? He said, no, no, no. In the will, it very clearly said, the one who gets the Son gets it all. The one who gets the Son gets it all. How is it with you? Do you have this amazing gift? Is the sun shining in your heart? 
where time and eternity meet, will you be ready? I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. We're going to close with a, a song singing of his amazing love for us. At the end of the service, there's going to be some elders to come forward. They'll be up here. You'll see their pictures on the screen. If you want to know more about um, this amazing love, they'll be here. There'll also be uh, uh, Hilda Gamichia, one of our uh, female leaders here, if you want to pray with her. But the amazing love God has for us. Can you imagine Christmas? I mean, maybe... I don't know about you, but Easter and Christmas are our biggies. When I think of the joy of preaching, there's nothing like Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday and Maundy Thursday, maybe Christmas Eve. But can you imagine a Christmas morning where you get up, maybe the wonder of a child and the stocking is full of treasures, tree has gifts all around it, and you can't open them? There they are. You hear how wonderful they are. It's been described to you. But you don't have the power or the ability to go and to rip open the lavish love. Listen, you've heard today about an incredible love the Father would have for us to send His Son, the most ultimate gift. Have you opened it? Is it like Christmas morning where you've never torn into those presents and say, yes, I do want to receive this. I do believe today's the day. Don't leave here. Don't leave here until you know for sure that Jesus is your king. He's your treasure. Don't you leave here not knowing that God so loved you that he would send his own son to rescue you through what he did on the cross. Let us pray. Father, we don't have words to say thank you. We're going to try to sing. And God, we're thankful that you love hearing your children sing of your love. So Father, fill our hearts and our minds and our voices with that love so we can sing in a way that is worthy. And Father, I pray, I pray this morning for anyone here who is yet to unwrap the ultimate gift. Maybe they heard a lot about John 3.16, but it was always something outside of their life not something that pierced through their hearts. Father, if your Spirit is speaking to anyone here today who is yet to believe, who is yet to say, I believe that Jesus is your Son. I believe that Jesus has come to rescue me from my sins. I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. God, I pray that your spirit would come and speak to anyone's heart who is yet to unwrap this incredible gift, that today would be the day that all they would have to do is say a prayer along with me that says, Father, thank you for loving me and sending your son to rescue me. I put my life and my faith in him. Forgive my sins. Come into my heart so I can open the most incredible gift of your Son. Cleanse me. Make me new. Make me yours. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer along with me, I'd love to chat with you.
There's a few things we have for you at the end of service. I'll tell you a little bit in a, bit, in a minute. But let's sing. You guys ready to sing? Can we sing about amazing love? Please stand and sing with me.